Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ's likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host, and so glad you've joined the podcast today. So glad you've joined the conversation and so thankful to share this time with you. Time is such a precious commodity and it's valuable and I value your time and I honor your time and I'm thankful that we're sharing this time together and I'm believing God. I'm, I've prayed over these podcasts. I've prayed over you with all that I can can pray, prayed in the Holy Ghost, prayed in petition, supplication, intercession, all that I can pray. If I can pray specifically for you in any way, you just need to email me, spellmanministries at gmail.com, and I'll pray specifically however you ask and whatever the issues are. But I'm telling you, I want this time to be fruitful. I'm investing into this time and into this conversation with you because I believe in you. I believe in God's plan for your life. I believe that God has a plan for men that if God can capture a generation of men, he can, he can bring healing into homes. He can bring healing into families. He can bring healing into marriages. He can bring healing that redeems legacy, God's legacy. And, and generations can be redeemed if God can capture the heart of men. So we're investing into men here on Marksman. And so I hope you'll share the podcast with your men, men in your life, friends, family, uh, fellow members of, of your congregation and Anyway, I just hope you'll share the conversation with others, even share it with men who may not be followers of Christ, who might be interested in learning, hey, what's what's being a Christian all about? Hey, say, check out Marksman. <laughs> you'll find out real quick what it's all about. And I believe that their heart will, will come to a place of conviction. And if that's you, you're listening today, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Glad that you're you're looking to Jesus, trying to understand who he is, what this life of faith's all about. And welcome to the conversation. Hope you'll listen all the way to the end. Hope you'll go back and listen to more conversations. You're you're welcome in this conversation. So glad you're here. But I do believe whether a person is following Christ or is exploring that, that these conversations on Marksman will help advance their heart. And so welcome to the conversation. We've been on a journey, and I thought we were done with Joseph, but uh, but we're not. We've been for several weeks here looking at God's Hall of Fame of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. A lot of men God highlights. A lot of men God approves, and he approves of their faith. He doesn't say they made no sin. He doesn't say they made no mistakes. You read the book of Genesis and other places in the Old Testament where their lives are represented. God didn't just give us a Facebook version of the Bible. I mean, you get the real nitty gritty. (laughs) You get the highs, the lows, you get the mistakes, you get the redemption. And you see that through it all, God can redeem. Through it all, God can bring about his divine plan and purpose. And no life greater exemplifies that than the life of Joseph. And that's where we found ourselves for the last uh, few weeks. We're now in our fourth episode on the life of Joseph. I do believe it's probably the last one. But I just couldn't leave off without digging into some more detail about Joseph's life. If you've missed any of these episodes, go back, catch the context, because we can't, we can't re-explain it and, and have the conversation all over again. 
But the episodes are archived. You can just find them under the Marksman feed in the Family Mission Group, and you'll find them all labeled there, Part 1, Part 2, Part 3, and now Part 4 in the life of Joseph. Um, Make sure you catch up, because we're going to dig now in context of everything we've talked about today's discussion. So if you missed any of them, please listen. Don't check out, but at least go back and get some of the context of where we're coming from on this. But Genesis eleven twenty two, God says that by faith, Joseph made mention of his bones, that they would take him out of Egypt, take him into the promised land. When God visits Israel and delivers them from Egypt, he said, take my bones with you. And we dug a lot into that in previous episodes. But in the, the big takeaway is this, that what Joseph's life revealed is that when God is for you, who can be against you? Romans 8 says, if God did not withhold his only begotten son, but delivered him up for us all, then how or why would he not freely give us all things that we need? If God is for you, who can be against you? Romans eight thirty one. If God is for you, who can be against you? And it's such a powerful revelation that will get you and I through the hardest seasons of our life. Seasons where it seems like heaven is silent. Seasons when it seems like, man, there's a famine in the land. God is for us, and He will visit us. He will abide with us. He will never leave us, never forsake us. And you learn that in the life of Joseph. And that's one of the reasons Joseph said, take my bones with you. Take what God did in my life and learn from it. Because you're going to go into a land with giants, and you're going to have to conquer those giants. And as men, we're going to have to face the giants in our life. Giants that are in our life because of the, the posterity we have, some things we have in our life, because it's in our legacy, it's in our generations, it's in our genealogy. You know, you've heard it said sometimes we have to wrestle our father's demons. And so some things are passed down that shouldn't be passed down, but we still have to conquer them. We have giants in our life. We have giants because of the culture, a culture, a crooked and perverse generation. We have giants in our life because of the Internet. We have giants in our life because of where media is at. We have giants in our life because of the financial and political, geopolitical decisions that Washington has made for America. We have giants in our life because of where the world has crept into the church and into faith and godly religion. We have giants in our life. We have to conquer these giants. We have to face these giants. But the thing we need to know as we face a giant like David faced Goliath, we need to know we have a covenant with God. And that covenant tells me God is for me. I have favor with God and I have been forgiven and cleansed by the blood of the lamb. Last episode, last week, we talked about that in detail. But that's what Romans 8 is telling us. That's what the life of Joseph is telling us. But I want to dig even further into the the favor and forgiveness aspect in the life of Joseph. And real quickly, I'm going to give you just a couple of references, maybe some homework. Might be good this week. Just take some time. Read Genesis 37 through 50. Just a few chapters. What is that? 13 chapters. Not, Not a long read, just maybe an hour's worth of reading. 
But take some time. Read Genesis 37 through 50. But particularly, I'll give you some some parameters here. Genesis 37, 5 to 11. Genesis 45, 1 to 8. And Genesis 50, 15 to 21. I'll give those to you again in case you're writing them down. Genesis 37, 5 to 11. Genesis 45, 1 to 8. And Genesis 50, 15 to 21. If you've been a part of the program in the last few weeks, we've talked about those passages. But here's what we see, particularly when you get into the the reveal, when Joseph reveals himself. How I many of well, the gospel is a revelation, it's a revealing of Jesus Christ, a man who is willing to come, take what he didn't deserve by faith, so that after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he could offer to us something we don't deserve, and we'll have to take it by faith. And that's forgiveness, and that's favor, and that's righteousness or innocence. So here's what we see as we see Joseph revealing himself to his brother. So if you haven't, uh, wow, I just knocked my phone over. Did you hear that? Praise the Lord. Um, I got my phone going here because it's on a timer. That way I don't talk too long. <laughs> so just a little behind the scenes there. Genesis chapter um, 45. Sometimes we're going to get these uh, podcasts on video. That way you not only have a audio version, but you can maybe catch it on YouTube, a, a video archive of the same conversation, and you would actually see me knock my phone over <laughs> and scramble to pick it up before it hits the floor. But anyway, here we go. Genesis 45. It's the big reveal. We talked a lot about this last week. You can go back and catch that conversation. But for for studying out how we walk, not only how many you can't give what you don't receive. So if we're going to show the kind of forgiveness that communicates the gospel to our family, to our marriage, to our children, to our home, to our mountain of influence, wherever it is we work and do life and our vocation calling. If we're going to show the world that kind of forgiveness, then we have to have first received. You can't give what you don't have. And that's, you know, and we found out when we looked at Genesis 50, um, Joseph's brothers had a hard time receiving it. And they thought as soon as dad died, man, Joseph's going to get even. Even though they'd been living for years under the favor and forgiveness of Joseph, once daddy died, they thought, whoa, now we're toast. Now he's going to get even. Now he's going to take revenge. And a lot of people live under that. They think that even though they got saved, even though they've been walking in the favor and forgiveness of God, they somehow think there's something I can do that will then make God get even with me. Come on now. We got to we got to shake that off. We got to shake that. We do need to go to him. We do need to confess our sin. First John 1 9 is serious business with God. But God wants us to, to hold our heart accountable. He wants us to confess it. He wants us to forsake it. But he also wants us, he also wants us to receive the favor and the forgiveness and the cleansing of the blood that he shed. And so as we dig further into Genesis 45, let me pull this up here. As we dig further into Genesis 45, where Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, we see that they they couldn't 
speak. They were speechless. They were shocked. They were afraid. And so then Joseph had to say, hey, I'm Joseph. I'm the one you sold. I'm the one you sinned against. But listen, come near to me. And he was weeping as he said it. His heart was touched with compassion. He wasn't just hurt by them. He hurt for them. And when Jesus stretched out his hands and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And it was our sin that put him there. And yet he said, forgive us. They don't know what they're doing. And how many know when Joseph's brothers did what they did, they might have conspired, they might have strategized, but no, in the grand scheme of things, their hearts were deceived. They were deceived by anger. They were deceived by revenge. They were deceived by their own pride. They were deceived by their own confusion. And so they didn't see. And Joseph knew they didn't see. And Jesus knew we didn't see. But once we see his first love, our hearts can come alive. Our hearts can be born again. And that's what happens when we receive Jesus as our Savior. And we make him our Lord. Then our heart comes alive and we realize, thank you, Jesus. You knew exactly what I did. But you forgave me. You pardoned me. And you washed me. And you cleansed me in your blood. And now I can see there's a purpose you did that for. It was for a divine reset. It was to bring me back to innocence so that I could live the life I was called to live. I can live the life I was destined to live. I can live it with Christ in me. I can live with my heart surrendered and my heart filled with the Spirit of the living God. So again, as we dig into this, we see in Genesis 45, I want to give you seven points here today as we discuss this divine favor and forgiveness. This is what divine forgiveness, this is what agape love is all about. We have a phrase here in our family. You know, you can go through those different personality tests and one of them categorizes, you know, type A, type this, type that. Well, you know, type A is typically the go-getter, the leader, the, you know, goal-driven, you know, getter done, you know, <laughs> kick butt, take names kind of person, <laughs> type A. You know, they're, they're, the, they're the alpha in the room, you know, on and on we could describe it. <laughs> But here's what we say in our family. We're type A, type agape. Come on, somebody. Come on, men. We're type A, type agape. And love does lead, but love understands. Love understands all the things that Joseph learned as it goes through life's test. It learns something. It learns about pride. It learns about the pit. It learns about the palace and the purity and the prison and the prophetic the power, the prosperity, the pardon, the purpose. You say, what's that? Well, if you listen to previous episodes, you'll find out those were the 10 tests. Or what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, the 10, the 10 tests that Joseph had to go through. Character tests. So that he could stand before his brothers in Genesis 45 and say, I know what you did to me. But come near. God had a bigger plan. Yeah, you did me wrong, but I'm going to do you right. Yeah, you didn't see, but I do see now. Come on. That's what we as men get to do. When we come alive in Christ, when we get marked by Christ, and we aim our lives at Christ's likeness, we now get to live where sin against us doesn't produce sin in us. We get to live a life where what people don't see can't change what we do see. Come on. 
And so here in Genesis 45, we see divine forgiveness seeks to cover the offense of others, not spread it. I'm going to give you like seven things here that kind of describe what Joseph was willing to do for his brothers. And ultimately, what Christ did for us. What Christ did for us. I want to give you a reference on this. I believe it's in yeah Ephesians 4.29. Let's, before we get into the real nitty-gritty of this, let's get the word on this uh, out of Ephesians 4. Yeah, Ephesians 4.29. Let me get there. Ephesians 4.29. Praise God. Ephesians 4.29. All right, Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use for edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. How many know Joseph was ministering grace to his brothers? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you have been sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, I mean, Joseph could have been bitter. He had every reason to be bitter. It would have made the perfect sitcom as it portrayed Joseph, just a bitter man. He could have lived his life bitter. He could have died bitter. And in the court of public opinion, been totally justified, totally justified as a victim. He could have lived bitter. Let all bitterness and wrath, I mean, oh, Joseph could have had wrath. He could have got even. That's what they were afraid of, in fact, was that his bitterness, that root of bitterness would have taken root, and now he was going to be angry and taken wrath or revenge or vengeance. But it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't let bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, put it away from you with all malice. Put it away. He said, how do I do that? Well, we've got to get a redemptive revelation of God. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a redemptive revelation of God, people cast off restraint. See, Joseph got a redemptive revelation of God. Jesus came to give us a redemptive revelation of God. And as men, we got to bring this redemptive revelation into our marriage. we got to bring this redemptive revelation into our homes. we got to bring this redemptive revelation into our family. We got to take this redemptive revelation into the marketplace. We got to take this redemptive revelation into our mountain of influence. He says in verse 32, and be ye kind one to another. How many of Joseph was kind? One of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. It's an attribute of God. It's an attribute of it doesn't mean God's always been treated right for him to be kind. Bible says in Ephesians 2 that for the ages to come, it's going to be revealed just how kind God was to us in the face of Jesus Christ. <laughs> hmm. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us and forgiven you. 
So as we dig into this divine favor and forgiveness that's exemplified in the life of Joseph and exemplified in the life of Christ, it's so that then once we receive it, we can give it. And if you remember the parable of Jesus, the only parable Jesus ever told and explained it without being asked, a lot of times he would tell parables and he would be asked, what does this mean? But he told the parable and explained it without being asked. It's Matthew 18, the whole big parable about the man that was forgiven. And he pleaded, or he, he had a debt and he pleaded with his master to be forgiven. And his master forgave him. I mean, he owed a lot of money. And he, he pleaded for mercy, and, his, and the guy gave him mercy and forgave him his debt. And then he went out and began strangling a brother who owed him way less than what he was forgiven. And he threw him into prison and said, pay me what you owe me. And when the master found out that he had thrown his brother in prison, after he'd been forgiven such a debt, he came, threw him back in prison, and said, you'll not be getting out till the full debt's been paid. And Jesus explained that and said, so shall happen to you if you do not forgive from your heart. So this is sobering stuff. I know this is weighty, but men, we, we need to be faced with this. We have to show our home and our family, our, our wives, our children, our workplace. We need to show them the gospel. I like what one evangelist said. He said, preach the gospel and use words when necessary. Preach the gospel. Live the gospel. Proclaim the gospel with your life. And then when necessary, use words. Yes, we've got to use words. The Bible says, how can you believe unless they hear? So there is, a, there is a speaking. I'm not trying to slam that. I'm just saying our life lives matter. Our life lived matters. And people sometimes can't even hear what we're saying because of what they see in our life. So we've got to face that. And that's the one reason Jesus' life is so powerful is because his life backed his words. And so if we're going to preach forgiveness, and the gospel is all about forgiveness and cleansing, then we need to live forgiven and live clean and cleansed. Amen? So I want you to grab that passage. That's Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. There's other portions in Colossians 1, 14, 19 to 22. There's many, many passages on this. But let's get back into what did Joseph do. He did not tell anyone what they did. He did not seek to spread it. He did not seek to injure the reputation, but rather protected the reputation. Because had Joseph let the word out on the streets, those men would have been dead. And God's family and God's heritage and the 12 tribes of Israel would have been toast because they came against a national hero. And that's who Joseph was in Egypt. He was a national hero. He was a regional hero. Because he wasn't just saving Egypt, he was saving countries round about, coming to Egypt for grain. So had the word got out what his brothers did to him, he did not seek to spread it. Now let that sink in. He did not seek to spread it. He wanted to protect the reputation. And does not Christ do that for us? Does not the scripture say he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west? He put our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. That's not just a cool song. That's truth. He's not wanting to spread the reputation of what we did. He truly wants us to live not just forgiven, but cleansed. Number two. 
You won't let that person be afraid of you or intimidated or uncomfortable in his presence. Didn't Joseph make them feel comfortable? Didn't he say, don't be mad at yourself? Don't be don't be afraid in my presence. Don't be intimidated by me. Come near to me. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. And does that not embody the gospel where through the life of Jesus, God is saying, I know you did me wrong. I know you didn't understand. I know you sinned against me. I know you threw me away as your creator, but here I am as your redeemer. Will you receive me? Will you come back home? Will you come near to me like the prodigal of old? Will you let me put a robe on you? Will you let me put a ring back on your hand? Will you let me put shoes back on your feet? Will you let me slaughter the fatted calf and celebrate your return? Will you come home in your heart? Joseph didn't want him, his brothers, to be intimidated or uncomfortable in his presence. Number three, he didn't want them to feel guilty. Isn't Romans 8 so powerful? There is now no more condemnation, guilt, or shame in Christ Jesus. I quoted a verse the other day, the other week, Philemon 6, or Philemon, however you want to say it, Philemon, Philemon 6. In the Lawbach translation, it says, I pray that everyone who meets you would catch your faith and learn how wonderful it is to live in Christ Jesus. <laughs> to live forgiven, not just forgiven, but to live cleansed, to live clean, to live innocent, to live pure, to live restored. Amen. He did not want them to feel guilty, and God does not want us to feel guilty. He paid a great price so that we could be cleansed from guilt, shame, and condemnation. Number four, you let them save face. How many know? (laughs) Joseph, he said it repeatedly. I'm Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt, the one you sold into slavery. He mentally remembered what they did, but he did not hold it against them. And he actually fought to protect them from their past. Does not the blood of Jesus know what we did? Yeah, it's why it was shed. But does not the blood of Jesus fight to protect you from the shame and the guilt And the condemnation of your past? Yes. It's fighting for you. Jesus is fighting for you. He ever lives to make intercession for you so that the pain of your past does not come back. He let them save face. Number five, you keep from the world their darkest secret. Love covers a multitude of sin. You can even consider Noah in this matter. And always remember that covering it is not excusing it. Just because Joseph Joseph was covering for his brothers and truly living in forgiveness, living in mercy, just because he did that did not mean he excused it. He never excused what they did. He simply forgave them for what they did. Knowing that forgiveness wasn't just releasing them, it was releasing him. Because when we forgive people, it's not just about letting them go. It's not just about letting them off the hook. It's letting ourselves off the hook. It's letting ourselves out of jail so that we don't live in the prison of unforgiveness. Because if we're going to receive the forgiveness Christ offered us, 
then we're going to have to be willing to show that forgiveness to others. And so he kept from the world their darkest secret. He covered a multitude of sins. Remember Noah, when he came out on the boat and he planted a vineyard and he eventually got drunk and was unfortunately uncovered. And in his nakedness, his, his sons came up and one of their, one of his sons sought to expose it, sought to tell it, you know, went and blabbed it. And his other two brothers went and took a, took a blanket and going backwards, put the blanket over their shoulders and did not look upon their father's nakedness, but covered him, covered him. How no man, we got to cover our families. We got to cover our children. Yeah, we got to face it. Yeah, we got to confront it, but we got to confront it with the redemptive love of God, love that will confront sin, but then it will bring cleansing. It'll bring forgiveness. It'll bring mercy. Number six, you realize forgiveness is a life sentence. Jesus said seven times 70, it's going to be required each day. And that's just a number. If you do the math, you can think it's just a ridiculous amount. How can one person do you wrong seven times 70 in the same day? Well, it ain't going to happen. So what's the point? The point isn't the math. It isn't the 449 or whatever that number is. The point is it's a life sentence. You just never have the right to hold someone in their sin. You, we have the privilege of being forgiven. We have the privilege of forgiving. And again, it's not excusing their sin. And as fathers, and as husbands, and as leaders, and as men, sometimes you have to confront sin. God confronted the sin of his son and daughter in the garden. Jesus confronted the sin on the cross. The reason he went to the cross was to confront the sin. So that mercy could be shown. So there is a confronting, but it's with mercy in mind. There is a confronting, and even when Jesus took the whip and drove out the money changers, people love to quote that to excuse their anger. He took the whip and he drove out the money changers because days later, he's going to be on a cross forgiving that sin and offering forgiveness. So you realize forgiveness is a life sentence. And then finally, number seven. What did Joseph do by example? He blessed them, his brothers, he bl- and their families. He blessed them, and he wanted to see them blessed. He used his power and his influence to increase them, not diminish them. Now, this is all showing how Christ has loved us, all how Christ has forgiven us, all how Christ and his blood has cleansed us. And now he's using his power, his righteousness to robe us, to clothe us, to cleanse us, to empower us, to separate us from the past and the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. And so we have to be willing to show that to others. (laughs) <laughs> as men this is this is we got to get this man we got to we got to live this man i mean it's, it's one of the most important things we as men can learn it's what joseph learned it's what all these men had to learn we've been talking about in hebrews 11 it's why god held them up as heroes in the faith and i want you to be a hero in the faith and i believe you can be a hero in the faith And it's learning these lessons from the life of Joseph that's going to make you and I heroes in the faith. When we understand this pardon, this purpose in the blood of Jesus, in the life of Jesus.
and that Joseph and Jesus now use their power and their influence to increase us and to bless us, not to diminish us and to make us just live guilty and just ashamed the rest of our life. Come on. We've come out of darkness into the light of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 31 says, Their sins will I remember no more. Luke 23, 34 says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And in Luke 17, when Jesus talked about that kind of forgiveness, the seven times 70, his disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. (laughs) It's the only time they ever asked for their faith to be increased was when he talked about how by faith you're going to forgive. Remember, Jesus took by faith what he didn't deserve so that we could take by faith what we don't deserve and then live by faith and show people what they don't deserve. Come on, let's go all the way with Jesus. Let's not just get marked by Christ. Let's aim our lives at Christ-likeness. He, by faith, took what we didn't deserve so that we could then take by faith what we don't deserve and then live by faith, showing people everywhere, especially in our home, what they don't deserve sometimes. Come on, men. If you've been marked by Christ, let's keep aiming our life at Christ's likeness. I want to thank you for joining the conversation today. I pray you'll share this podcast with other men. And I pray that you'll continue to join with me in this quest, this epic quest of aiming our lives at Christ's likeness, taking what we don't deserve because he took what he didn't deserve and then showing the world the love that sometimes they don't deserve.